Romans 12, 1 and 2. Since the beginning of the year, we've been looking at this uh, biblical truth that we are in transformation, metamorphosis, supernatural work of God in us from the inside out as we walk with Him by faith and obedience. The verses that have been core and foundational for us this year, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So let's go ahead and read those together. And then we'll pray. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time of worship so far. And Lord, now as we worship through the Word, and we're so thankful that your Word is truth. In fact, we are sanctified by your truth. And, and Lord, now through the ministry, the person of the Holy Spirit, would you uh, be the teacher? Would you... Help us to understand it, to comprehend it, and then to apprehend it, to grasp it for our own selves. To make application and to be obedient. And in the obedience, Lord, that we would be transformed uh, through the renewing of our mind and through the practical application of your word in our lives. So we love you, we love your word, and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Alright, so transformation, the word picture, if you're new, I just want to share this with you. That word transformation is metamorphosis. Right, a very powerful image that we've been seeing since January is this. This is metamorphosis, right? And you know, like I shared before, as believers, we're not called to be good and happy. We're called to be what? Godly and holy, right? So, as believers, we're not called to be better caterpillars. We're actually called to be in a supernatural, transformative process that makes us more and more like who? Butterfly. And butterfly is. Jesus, right? Right? So so we're called, in one sense, to go from caterpillars to butterflies. In another sense, the, we're called to walk in newness of life as new creations. And it is, how long will this process last? Your whole life, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, be patient with me. God's not done. <laughs> be patient with me. God's not done. I have a work in progress. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to a work in progress. Just kidding, don't do that. Now you're all looking at each other. What did you mean by that? We are all a work in progress. Isn't that the joy of being together? Right? I shared with you before, right? If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you messed it up, right? There is no perfect church. The church is made up of imperfect believers who have simply responded to God's gospel and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. And together, we are on a journey, a walk of transformation. Right, Shai? Thank you. And we have seen that this transformation, one of the images also, is that we're called to walk in newness of life. Right? If you are a Christian, if you, when you put your faith in Christ, you are a new creation. Right? Say new creation. You know what that means? That means when you put your faith in Christ, the you that you are now never existed before. Because the you that you are now is now in union with Christ. You are in Christ. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right? All your sins are forgiven. 
you're not availing yourself of the dunamis power that's yours. And sometimes, if, if, you know, if, if you really take time, and, and I know we can only accomplish this much on a Sunday, you got to take time and, and really meditate on this verse. What does it really mean? Come on now. What does it really mean that you have dunamis power residing in you? Have we really, what's the word, is apprehended that? See, there's, there's, there's two elements. There's comprehension, and then there's apprehension. A lot of us in our, in our Christian life, if we're not careful, we get focused on comprehending. We go to Bible studies, we go to sermons, we go to conferences, we learn a lot of stuff, but it's slotted to comprehension. Oh, I got that. I understand that. Oh, that's a cool Greek word. Then we put it away, we file it away in our stack of, of notes that we now comprehend. Real transformation happens as you go from comprehension to apprehension. Everyone knew this. You're going to see in a little bit, this is grass. When we say apprehension, it means make it your own. Own it. How many of us have really grasped the truth that you've been given the spirit of power? What would that do? In your life, in my life, in this church, in the church, in the whole country. If the body of Christ woke up one day and said, That's right! I have the spirit power! And you operated in that truth. And that would help. Amen? See what that would do to your joy, to your enthusiasm, to your willingness to conquer the oh! Goliath. Remember last Sunday we said, Out that door and out that door, there's Goliath waiting for you in your life. And we talked about last week that, that Goliath is fear, and part of that Goliath is saying, you'll always be what you are. You're never going to change. You're powerless. 
We got it. Anyone ever tell God, I got it? He says, okay, take another lap. <laughs> Come back around. You ready? Anyone? Then one day you
in Ephesians 3. Look what he prays two chapters later in the same book, Ephesians 3.
316 believe, which means to have confidence in, to commit, to trust.
kissed them and poured perfume on them. A Pharisee was a religious leader. He would have been a good dude, good, moral, upright, probably had a good reputation. He's just a religious leader. Somehow he hears about Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, come to my house. Let's have dinner. Someone else shows up. Look what it says. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, many believe she might have been a prostitute. She had a reputation in that town as being sinful, right? You're like, how did she get in? In that culture, when people threw a banquet for important people, the whole town could come. It was like an open house. And what would happen is all the invited guests would be at the table, and they would recline on their left side on the table, and their feet would be facing back towards the walls towards the people who came to listen and observe. That's where she was. All right? So Jesus is invited by this religious person, externally really good guy, said, hey, Jesus, have dinner. Jesus is reclining at the table, and this woman and probably others are standing around the outside walls, just there. It's culturally okay, right? So it says, she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, began to wet his feet with her tears, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Right? So this lady, she's crying, she starts wiping Jesus' feet, she pours perfume, and the Pharisee freaks out. Because who is this Jesus? She was really a prophet. Right? And he's like mortified about what's happening. He said, what is going on in my house? How is this happening? Right? And Jesus says this. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is like a day's wages, another 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? One owed 500, one owed 50. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He calls out Simon. He says, Simon, give me an example. An accounting example. Right? 550, both debts are canceled. They both can't pay. Who would be more joyful? He says, well, the guy who owes more, right? really calling out Simon. He says, hey Simon, do you know why she's doing this? She has appropriated my grace and my love and my forgiveness. She understands how much she's been forgiven. What's the challenge to Simon? You don't get it, do you? You blew me off. You treated me like a just, oh, what a nice religious guy. You didn't get it, did you, Simon? You went right over your head. Simon's self-righteousness. Simon's comparing himself to her was a hindrance to him receiving forgiveness. 
they both were what? Unable to pay. They were both unable to pay. If you're drowning in 50 feet of water or 500 feet of water, doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. I remember I said this story before. I was in junior high at the Coronado, boogie boarding, right? All of a sudden I get pulled out by a rip current. There's one other person right there. We're way out there. And I'm like, can you get in? No. I was tired. At that point, it didn't matter. You know, that I was a straight A and she didn't have grades or whatever. You know what I mean? None of that mattered. All that mattered is we both thought we were going to die. Because we both couldn't get in. And we both were like this. And when we both got saved, we were both thankful to Mr. Lifeguard who came out and got us. Question. If the sinful woman is here and Simon is here, where are you? And how much do you understand
you can genuinely accept the fact that you are part of the much forgiven, watch what happens to your love. Because you're just going to love God. Because you're going to really get how much God loves you. See the difference? Are you part of the much forgiven?
shower room door in the processing center at Robinsburg. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His scars have become gold. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. So again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. Flowing into my heart, sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world even hinges. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love of If you're struggling with loving others without the love, I just encourage you. Yeah, it's impossible in the flesh. And it's going to take the spirit of power.
maybe there's one more theory.